morning, good afternoon and good evening to you, dear listeners. Welcome to Floaters, the podcast that exists because I missed the memo about writing a novel during lockdown. Hello to you. I mean, speaking of lockdown, there's going to be another lockdown in the UK, which will probably be in full swing by the time you listen to this. And uh, as I record this morning, um, the US election results, or lack thereof, are coming in and um, I'm watching the coverage all morning. It's not an activity I'd recommend if you're prone to anxiety, but it's a very important election, I think, and very interesting to watch unfold. And I just can't help myself. I'm, I'm a woman of indulgence and excess. I mean... That's why I can never eat just one biscuit with a cup of tea. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to eat the whole packet. Like, if you give me the whole packet, it, it, it will be gone. I mean, that's the Brit in me, I suppose. I mean, I I mean, I hate to start this on a downer, but I don't know if anyone else um, out there in the UK or internationally are feeling the, the tension in the air. I mean, pandemic and election and whatever else is going on, but onwards we go. But don't worry about that now, even though I've just mentioned it. Just cast that aside and um, enjoy this uh, episode because I'm talking to Ramona, guys. Ramona's pretty cool. Uh, We met at school and we were both full boarders, which means uh, we didn't have a home to go go to on the weekends because, of course, our parents were abroad. And, uh, yeah, we were there 24-7, baby. So we had lots to chat about. We hadn't spoken in so long, but once we got going, it was like no time had passed at all, which was just... A joy. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is Ramona. Oh yeah. So first of all, um, where are you broadcasting from this afternoon? Um, I'm currently residing in Copenhagen in Denmark. How long have you been living um, in Copenhagen for? Uh, so it's been 2012, eight years. Oh wow! Wow. So you're settled in now. Uh, more or less, I wouldn't say necessarily settled in. It's been definitely up and down struggle. It's It's been, you know, I moved here, um, had some friends uh, that were living here for a year before studying, mm-hmm. um, and they managed to get me a job, but it wasn't something amazing. It was just housekeeping job in a hotel. Mm-hmm. So I've started, um, The Copenhagen is a very tough place. I Thing for foreigners to start to settle in, um, to find a job, to find accommodation. Also, it's very, very hard. Um, if you have money, of course, you can easily find something that is, I don't know, about a thousand euros. You can find, if you have that per month to spend on rent, that's fine. But if you do not have those money, then yeah. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a long, long uh, time, and I'm still I've been in and out of school. Um, I'm doing now my last semester of my masters. Um, what are you studying? An internship, um, e-business. Okay. So it's a kind of a mixed interdisciplinary course where we do a bit of the course is focusing on business, technology, and law. Um, and then you get to choose your own. Yeah, we had a few semesters where we could choose our electives, whether you wanted to, you know, become a programmer or more uh, knowledgeable about programming mm-hmm. or data science or user experience and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been definitely a ride where in all these years I've, I've been 
trying to find myself, I would say, mm-hmm. trying to find what fits me. Mm. Um, but I can't complain. Overall, you know, I met people, I made a lot of friends. Um, I had a lot of experiences, good and bad, that I think brought me here. And I'm almost finishing my master's. Hopefully something will come out of it at the I'm end. I'm sure something will come out of it, I'm <laughs> sure. Well, in, in order to understand where you are now, let's take it back to the beginning. Um, so can you tell me, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Lugos in Romania until the age of 17 when I moved to UK. Mm-hmm. Okay. And are your parents uh, Romanian as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Romanians do not speak any bit of English. Um, very humble people. They come from humble families. Um, the only educated person in my family that has had a higher education is my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can't complain. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a good family, but without our ups and downs, my fa- my parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. So I've had the sort of moving around also back home. I wasn't, I was either living with my mom, then with my grandma, with my aunt, uncle, then with my dad and stepmom. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm one well, of those, those children that's been everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so from, so what was the decision that made you uh, come to the UK? Not necessarily a decision, as much as an opportunity, I would say, a lifetime opportunity, as I call it. Um, I've had one of my teachers who was, in Romania, you have a teacher who is kind of your head supervisor teacher of the class. Um, If you are in gymnasium from fifth grade to eighth grade, you have one teacher and then from in high school, from ninth grade to 12th grade, uh, you have another teacher that kind of oversees the class. Uh, and they, they are in charge. They are kind of the, the parent of the whole class. And it doesn't matter what kind of courses they teach. Uh, and she's, I've always been, not necessarily teachers pet, but teachers like me because I was participating in all competitions and I wanted to go and do everything. I was a student council president and being involved with all sorts of extracurricular activities at school and charities. Um, and then one day she came to school and she said that, oh, there, we found out about a scholarship that is being offered to Eastern Europe and Central Europe for students that have good grades but cannot afford to go study mm-hmm. abroad. Um, and it was more of a competition sort of scholarship where you had to apply, you had to send in your application, you had to go in for English tests. Mm-hmm. And based on those results, they would then you would pass or not to the next level, which would be an interview. Mm-hmm. With, a certain, with certain representatives from, from the scholarship. And I got the scholarship. <laughs> and then I, it wasn't a question of, oh, do I want to go or not? It was something that it totally changed my life. And I didn't really expect mm-hmm. that, I, oh, I would have the chance to move somewhere. Um, and that, that was when I was 16. Um, and everyone was super excited. You know, I had a small piece of, uh, article written about me in the newspaper. I was on the TV for so I had my 15 minutes of fame because in my city I was the one who got the scholarship, and there were only seven children in Romania who got the scholarship. Wow. So 
definitely was uh, something very pumped up. But at that point, I perhaps didn't know what it meant to move somewhere without anyone, you know, mm-hmm. in a different culture. Uh, I had a bit of culture shock. It took me about three months to settle in, I would say, perhaps mm-hmm. more. But yeah, and then I moved to UK, to Chelmsford, and studied at New Hall. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the most sort of, uh, what was at the forefront of like your culture shock? Like what was, what was the most shocking bit, I suppose, when you, when you arrived? I'm not necessarily would say, culture shock was the fact that I thought I knew English but I realized I had no clue how to speak or understand the spoken English by Brits. Um, or not necessarily. Also, there was people from Scotland and Wales and everybody with their own accents. And that really threw me off because I remember going to class and not understanding anything what people were talking about. And then me trying to... Look in, look right, look left. What are people taking notes of? What is happening? Mm. Um, slowly, I started to understand all the dialects, but that was definitely a shock. Um, but the culture shock, perhaps. But what was more of a shock, I think, was the social classes shock. I think it, that was the first time where I realized mm, the differences between the social classes, and then I saw children there that. You know, some some children, kids, not necessarily children, teenagers were coming to school in Mini Coopers and having quite expensive clothes and, you know, mm-hmm. handbags. And I was just there, not even H&M clothing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely that was, hmm, it was shocking in a way that I did not expect. And I felt a little bit of an outsider at the beginning because I could see I, it made me look at myself like, oh, I have, I'm poor. And it was the first time that I kind of thought about that. But it didn't last long because soon enough I've made my own group of friends that were not necessarily the norm that you would say that you found at that school. Mm. Um, and then I, I saw that the first appearance wasn't necessarily applicable to everybody at the school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that that was definitely there was the culture shock, and then there was me realizing definitely the differences between social classes the first time perhaps in my life. Where I grew up, there was people, there were people who had money, and you know they were well off, but it was nothing compared to what I experienced at New Hall. Mm-hmm. That was a whole other level. I mean, I I remember people turning up in um like Audis as their first car, like these big white things and yeah. they crash them as well. And I think, oh my God, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, a whole other level. But, um, and how, did, how were you as a, as a student as, at school? It was, I think the culture shock made me less of a, do you mean a student in Romania or a student in UK? Well, I suppose, how did they compare? Like, did you, were you still like, you know, joining student councils and things in the UK or were you? um... Well, I did. Yes, I did become a librarian assistant with Miss Tate, bless her. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I joined, I became a um, Fisher House prefect. I became philosophy and ethics prefect, mm-hmm. um, boarding house prefect, because I always liked, I, w- I have, I've always had this more social extrovert part of me. But at the same time, that part of me was a little bit uh, tamed down when I came there because I felt a little bit embarrassed for some reason. Yeah, for for feeling an outsider, for not having or just uh, it was very shocking. Also, the level of students there uh, in Romania. OK, sorry, I'm going to take it to Romanians in Romania, basically, where we, when we ended up in high school, a lot of children, they were not necessarily thinking so much oh i want to study i want to be the best i want to when you reach high school you know everyone starts to look after boys or girls and you're falling in love and you want to go out you want to skip classes and it's kind of that's the thing Mm -hmm. and perhaps that's also a contrast between state and private school Mm -hmm. that i didn't experience before it was also a different culture different social classes and the different teaching system. Mm. Uh, so when I came there, it really shocked me that students were really, really determined or don't know if by themselves or pushed by their parents, but they were really determined to really study hard. Mm. I know a lot of people wanted to go to Oxford or Cambridge University for, the, for their studies, for the higher studies. And that kind of shocked me because I didn't see that level of commitment to education back home you would have one or two students who would be very ambitious and who would be very dedicated to the studies but generally speaking in Romania that was not the case Mm -hmm. so that that in a way I got there and perhaps I came in with a different mindset from back home I wanted to experience the culture I wanted to go out I wanted to now drink with the fellow students. Let me experience all of UK and your your party party <laughs> habits. Um, but slowly, I think I started to understand that it was also the mentality of the school, being a boarding school, being Catholic boarding school. Um, also, perhaps this has something to do with the social classes because everyone was super focused, not necessarily just on studying but everyone was doing a lot of extra curricular activities like uh, equestrian or going around doing much more than i had access to at home so back home yeah i could go after class to the it club and i could do some dancing or perhaps take some karate courses but that was kind of it i'm also coming from a city that had forty thousand people so that was definitely big difference. Mm, but I cannot say, I cannot pride myself with being a good student in UK. Um, the one subject I excelled at was English literature, funny enough. Mm-hmm. I had my best grades. I had A's. Then um, I took a lot of courses that perhaps I shouldn't have taken for a foreigner because I took English literature, philosophy and ethics and classical civilization and mathematics but all of these were very heavily essay based mm-hmm. a lot of speaking in english which having a deficit of understanding the dialects the different uh, way that people were speaking 
a bit send me behind at the start. Mm. And then having the sh culture shock, I've never really settled in. Um, I've actually had a letter sent by a teacher back home when you, you know, when you would get those um, every semester, they would send you, oh, how well do you do in school? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got one of those sent to my parents saying, well, Ramona is not really fitting in, not really finding her place. Oh, she's God. struggling, but she's been okay. She's been getting involved with different activities, but yeah. I mean, did you feel supported at all by the school or um, teachers or even your peers? Mm, definitely Miss Hopkinson. Mm -hmm. She was my guardian angel back there. She was, um, she was always listening to me, but she was also in charge of those students that were on scholarship at mm -hmm. school. Um, perhaps it was also her duty, but I do believe that she had a huge heart and she really liked to take care of us. And once I started feeling comfortable, I, I was going to the offices and just chatting all the time with uh, the house mistresses. And I remember them saying, oh my God, Ramona, at the beginning, nobody could un talk to you because you couldn't speak that well English. And right now, nobody can shut you up. <laughs> so it didn't take long for me to go from one part to another, but it took me a, a bit. Um, but I felt that the staff were very supportive. Most of the staff, not everybody, mm. but part of majority of staff were very very supportive and i thought that they they kind of embraced my personality well mm. i think it's amazing as well and shows like so much passion from you that you just were like yep i'm gonna do philosophy i'm going to do english literature i don't care about those barriers i'm just gonna go in there and kill it and you did like with english literature that's just like such a extraordinary feat of like just putting all those things that you you thought were deficits to like the mm -hmm. language or your progress and you just you absolutely smashed it well at home i at that time when i was 16 before coming to uk i was dreaming of becoming a writer mm. i was really quite i was very much into literature into creative writing but at the same time i was very good i was participating in mathematics mathematics competitions um, so I thought, okay, I like this very much. Uh, we didn't necessarily have, we did have a philosophy course, but it was not as, it was not really like in the UK and I've never heard of classical civilization. I thought, oh, ancient Greece and Rome, of course. Oh my God, I'm going to study this. But it was difficult having to read a lot, much more in English than I've done ever in my life in Romania. Um... And, but yeah, that, that literary criticism um, was within me. So I really like that. And I think that's what made me good at English literature, although I was the only foreigner in class mm. at English literature. I think I was the only foreigner for all of the three courses. In mathematics, there were other foreigners, mm. but for philosophy and ethics and class, classics, yeah, I was the only foreigner. It was difficult at times where I couldn't understand certain words or the way they were pronounced. Of course, I didn't have the same vocabulary as an English native. And that I could observe it at times, but I had the 
literary critical thinking that I think really allowed me to perform quite as good as the others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was you had it within you to to be able to overcome Mm. those barriers. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, I think about like you and like all of our like you know other boarding people like Ivana or like Emma, and I think about like them coming and learning those you know like like you these subjects in a different language and I just think it's extraordinary I always thought it was extraordinary and like how well you all did and you're all so much smarter than I think any of the English people if you ask me definitely more than me but it was um I was always such an in in awe of you guys really I was so and then after school where did you find yourself did you try out university in the UK first or did you Mm -hmm. go to Romania there's a bit of a story there because I didn't want to take any money from my parents. I knew I definitely didn't want to take the loan to go to English university because the tuition fees were so high. And I had somehow managed to get myself a job as a student assistant in a new hall. And I went home for the summer. I worked back home uh, just in a cafe, being a waitress. Came back in September after we finished. So I graduated high school there, the A-levels mm-hmm. over there. And I was supposed to work as a student assistant for one year. And I wanted to get money because I was actually accepted. I applied to Scottish University. I don't remember exactly which one right now. Aberdeen, perhaps. But I was accepted there to do comparative literature. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to call them and I'm going to tell them I'm not coming this year. I'm coming next year. I'm going to raise some money. I'm going to move there by myself. Let's see. And it was a great opportunity because I would still be a little bit in my comfort zone as I got used to New Hall and the people there and the staff became a lot of staff, you know, the kitchen staff and the housekeepers and the bodyguards. They all became, I became very closely, um, close to them. Um, but there was a law back then, uh, that because I was a Romanian, I was not allowed to work in UK, except if I was a student at university and I could work part-time or if I had, I, I had to have a certain special visa to work as a talent that you didn't have there's something like a doctor or a lawyer or something more prestigious there was some law there and at the end of september so i worked there for a month and at the end of september miss hopkinson came to me and she told me we can't make you the visa to stay here Mm. so that means that you have to go home we cannot employ you for the rest of the year um and so hard to hear as well (laughs) yeah I cried my eyes out I remember going out of the office and just crying and not believing that all my scholarship and all the amazing time that I had there and all the friendships and you know all the connections that I felt I made there that nothing really could stand in front of a stupid law which by the way that was yeah, so that was September 2011, and it changed in January 2012. You're joking. No. Oh so that was a bit of a shock for me, especially when I found out. But I had already gone home. I, I decided not to, yeah, what could I do? I had to go home. 
I just worked for a year as a waitress back home. I remember I wanted to get a better grade and I came back in January for a retake, I think, of philosophy. But I went back home and then I just couldn't really... I think those years from 17 to 19, because I was one year perhaps older than everyone in my year there. Um, so I did my year 12, year 13 there from when I was 17 to 19. And that's kind of in Romania, when you finish high school, you finish when you're 19. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that that is the time where you really get formed the most as an adult, kind of young adult. And it influenced me so much life there and the way people were. And I just couldn't really fit back in, even though it was only two years, two mm. years, let's say, in a bit. But I couldn't really find my place back home. A lot of people had gone to universities in other cities because I come from a small city. So they decided to study somewhere, yeah, better. Um, and somehow, I don't know, I found out about the university here recruiting or having open applications for students. I applied here, meaning Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. I applied, went to Bucharest for an interview, did the whole thing again, and I got accepted. And of course I had a bit of money, but also parents helped me out mm. and I moved here. So I started my life over here, but it wasn't necessarily, it was a choice in the end because I could have stayed home but it wasn't necessarily 100% of a choice. It was more of a need of going away again and finding somewhere. I felt once coming to UK and seeing another country and living in another country, it opened up my horizons and my thinking of, oh, wait, I'm not necessarily, I don't have to be stuck to one place or where I grew up. I can go and experience the world and what else is out there. So I kept having these thoughts and then I ended up here. So do many people in your family, have they moved away at all as well? Have you taken inspiration from that or was it purely from your own experiences? Mm, I've told you my, my parents have been divorced and there's been, my father remarried quite early on when I was quite young. Um, he met my, my stepmom when I was around six um, but they only married when I was around 10 or 11. I don't remember exactly. Um, when I was around 13, um, my grandfather from my mom, my mother's father, he passed away. She was taking care of him because he was uh, paralyzed. And after that, she felt kind of in a way because I was living with my father. So she felt that she didn't really have anything to connect her back home. So she met a guy and she moved to Italy. And I've, yeah, I've been visiting her and perhaps that was also showing me that, oh, I can go somewhere else, but I definitely didn't want to go and live with her mm -hmm. because there was such a disconnect between me and her. I've generally had a disconnected relationship with my parents until I turned 20 and I kind of matured a bit and realized, you know, life is life. Perhaps if I was in their own shoes, I wouldn't have done better choices. Mm. Um, but she, it's not like I'd never seen people moved out. She moved out, but it was very hard on me as a mm. kid. I couldn't really accept it when I was young. But at the same time, when I did get the scholarship, I felt like, oh, 
I'm getting now a chance a bit. I, I perhaps is a bit selfish to think like that, but I felt like I could go get away a bit from the whole mm. drama that I had back home. Um, and just never really felt a place back home as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but nobody has moved anybody else. Everyone's living back home. I have friends and friends from high school yeah, that have moved, but not so much. People have continued their life back home and I've always looked back and seen that, okay, they've got jobs and they've got houses now and they've got cars. And I've been living, you know, renting out and moving places. I've been here for nine years, eight years, and I have moved nine times. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that's pretty normal, though, for like someone who is like traveling a lot. And like, I remember when my sister was living in Brussels, I think she lived, she was living, living there for the three years and she moved like say, almost the same amount. It was like three or four times. Um, so like almost once a year or something like that. Yeah. It just It's just the way things happen sometimes, I think. Yeah, but you do get used to it. You do get in a way insensitized to it, towards it, but it's not easy mm. to change your habitat and change your comfort place once you get used to something and then you change again. But I think having done that for since, yeah, 17, moved and experienced something, I think I definitely the experience with UK so young made me more capable to take all of these changes Mm. made me stronger cliche saying stronger but yeah I became more used to being on my own and traveling around and trying to make it through Mm -hmm. and do you think you're now more attached to um, places or or things Places or things, it's hard because it's very funny you say this. Whenever I go home, I'm missing home so much. And I've been starting to watch a lot of shows in Romanian lately because, I don't know, I have this urge of hearing Romanian. Although whenever I go back home, I realize I'm no longer part of that and I'm no longer fit in and I'm no longer that Romanian. I'm. Whenever I go home, I see the differences. You know, Denmark is such a... And then I wouldn't say it's it's a good culture. There is really good uh, balance between work and life, um, work life and your after work. Where there there's not in Romania, it's a lot of thinking that oh, you need to work hard from morning to the evening, and you need to struggle. And it's not so often that I would see people smiling or just being content. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, people are more chilled back, you know, I'm, they don't work so much. It's more, they put themselves a lot first. Um, mm-hmm. So I going back home, I could see everyone was, <laughs> I could see myself compared to them. It's like, why are you running around all the time? Can you just chill? Can you take it slow a little bit? Can you relax? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely been that, but I go home and it's not, even though I miss it and it's where I grew up, it's no longer home in a way, Mm. but at the same time, I'm still a stranger, a foreigner here. So no matter how, yeah, I still haven't learned Danish that well, but (laughs) I speak it just basic even after all these years. 
um, because everyone here speaks English and I work in English and I study in English. So it's a bit harder to really struggle mm -hmm. to, to get to speak the language. But I'm also not necessarily at home here, although I've become very comfortable being here. Mm. So there is a mm, juxtaposition here, or how to how to explain it? Yeah, it's it's strange. Uh, I think that's why <laughs> when I saw your post about this, I thought, oh wow, I've this is what I've been struggling with all this time. I think it's quite common for people who do move around a lot, and especially when you start in younger years. Um, I was actually speaking to someone yesterday for um, for one of the episodes uh, and she brought this up. She said it's you spend a long time trying to find your tribe because home becomes something so different. Um, it doesn't become that physical place. It becomes the people or like um, she said, it's like the paintings on the walls or whatever you bring with you that that makes it. Um, so it made I me think definitely... about how early I maybe started doing that, which was, um, I mean, obviously there are paintings in my parents' house and, um, but, uh, like at school, I remember in my boarding room, I put up certain pictures and that would yeah. be my room because it had those pictures or I had yeah. that sort of stuff. It's funny because from age of, I don't remember exactly. I think around 10, 11, um, yeah all my family dynamics, I ended up moving in with the parents of my stepmom. So I lived with them until I left to UK. And I've had a small room. Well, at the beginning, I didn't even have my own room. I had to sleep in the same room with them. But then I had a small room and I only had a few stickers, you know, from shoes, from sneakers or whatever on my on my door, but I've never really had paintings and posters or anything the like. Then I came to UK and I saw people were just blasting their their walls with everything possible. And I thought, oh my God, I can do that. I can just put up everything I want. And I remember I had the huge Romanian flag that I got from my classmates from Romania when I left. I had pictures of my boyfriend back then, of my parents. I've just put it up. I had motivational quotes and I really never done that before until I got to UK and then I'm moving here I've spent although I didn't make a lot of money I've worked you know housekeeper waitress waitressing bartending nightclubs at the entrance selling tickets I've done everything but from those money I've always spent money perhaps I shouldn't have but I kept buying stuff to make me feel at home mm. Mm. and it's it's funny that you say that because, yeah, perhaps I became more home have become the things that I made them home and I bought them for myself. And perhaps I didn't, I wasn't really at liberty or afforded when I was younger mm. to buy stuff that I liked. And then I kind of compensated that when I, I lived on my own and made my own money. So I started buying a lot right now. I'm pretty much into plants. <laughs> I have a lot of plants and I'm propagating <laughs> them and I'm very much attached. But yeah, I've definitely in my room, I've been also been living here in dorms during my uni years and I've just had a lot, a lot of stuff up on the walls, mm. buying everything to make me feel more cozy. 
I saw something the other day online about plants. Um, like this guy, he every time he had a bad day at work, he'd buy himself a plant, and then he just took a video <laughs> of his of his flat, and it was just it looked like a forest, but it was beautiful. I thought you can't be in a bad mood when you come home to all of this. Like it must yeah. be so nice. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's what I actually wanted to show you something. So I have a plant over here. I'm not very sure whether you can see. Oh yes! Oh beautiful. I've had some Christmas lights put around the, the window and I put the plant there. I thought, okay, it's going to stay next to the window and it's going to be very nice getting a lot of light. And slowly it started curling around the <laughs> Christmas lights and it became huge. So now That is gorgeous. I mean, yeah. just for the listeners as well, what's happened is Ramona's grown a plant and it's grown up her door frame and then round the window as well because of all the fairy lights. So it's like some kind of... Um, I don't know what you call that. But it's like a lovely arch of leaves. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So with time, I think <laughs> you start to grow fond of different things that you can take care of and call them home. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what is happening. But I think yeah, so. it's funny. I've, I've never been into plants back home in Romania when I grew up. I've never really had posters or anything up the walls. I didn't really think of it as necessary as a need or as a want whereas once I moved I just thought give me more <laughs> yes yeah I think my I, I haven't got that many plants I've got like three or four but two of them I've had for like four or five years and one of them is a I'm quite attached to it it's a Christmas tree that I bought once from Sainsbury's <laughs> <laughs> for 10 pounds and it was like this big at first I think and now it's in its own pot in the garden and I'm so proud of it I mean he looks a bit sad right now the Christmas tree <laughs> I need to look after him a bit better but um it's it's become yeah it's like a constant for me now that I need to mm. I need to keep it alive I must keep it alive yeah definitely I also have uh, four more plants that uh, about four years ago it was just one plant and I moved and I no longer can really remember or I don't really keep track of, oh, what did I get when? But I see them growing and I'm like, oh, when I moved over there in that house with those people and I rented out a room, I only had one plan and now there are four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> I yeah, love that. that. Over here, I've, I'm doing my master thesis and it's a very, very stressful endeavor and the other day i felt the need to express myself and to take out all of my feelings somehow so i just went and bought a lot of painting Mm. material and canvases which i've never done i've never painted in my life Mm. and basically i've spread it out all in my (laughs) you've got your own art studio look at that that's brilliant yeah somehow you're i guess don't know if it's getting old or just trying to comfort yourself somehow. Flowers, painting, <laughs> never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't asked you, where are you right now? So I'm in, I'm in the southwest of the UK. I'm living with my parents. And I have been since, it's almost been a year now. And I was living in London for about seven years. And then um, I came back because I just finished a master's and I was working lots of jobs and I wasn't spending any time on my master's. So 
and I wanted to go into writing. So um, I decided, well, I'll go home for a few months and I'll just, you know, get my head in the game, find a job that will actually support me and I can do my writing on the side. And then I'll just move back to London when I've got that job. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and then, yeah. So since then, I've sort of been here. And then um, I did get a job at a local shop uh, just before the pandemic or the lockdown we had here. And then when the lockdown happened, I got sacked. And then um, now they've rehired me, luckily. Um, and they even gave me a, a promotion as well. So I've got a bit of a higher position in the shop. Um, but it just means that like in terms of establishing myself here and like maintaining relationships or friendships in the local area. It's just not happened at all. I'm getting there now, but it's just taken mm. me a really long time. And the other thing is, well, the big headline is living with my parents is weird. It is so <laughs> weird. I mean, when you haven't After lived having... with your parents properly since you were 11 years old, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're with them full time. Uh, it's, it's totally strange. And I now no longer see my parents as my parents. They're more like my housemates because um, yeah. I've yeah we've missed so much from each other's lives over the years that it just feels yeah. I feel so strange to be here and I'm still still getting used to it it's always been a year um but you know there's been a pandemic on so I think it's all right and it's taken me a bit of time to get used to it but that's what made me do this um this podcast anyway because I was thinking about my parents and then my upbringing and you know um I just wanted to talk to more people and see if you know someone had gone through the same thing or if they feel the same or even differently um i'm just interested to to find more people like us mm. Mm. but have you ever while you were away have you been thinking about because i have this a lot i do feel that i am trading away my time i've traded away a lot a big chunk of my life and my time with my parents for going away because I feel that yeah whenever I go home you know I it's it's shocking as I go home once or twice per year or even less once in two years sometimes it's it's very striking to see that they're getting older it's much more striking than as if you would be with them all the time and I've been thinking a lot I miss them a lot I don't know if I would be feeling okay moving back to Romania I'm definitely gonna have another sh culture shock if I do move back to Romania but a lot of times I'm thinking maybe I should I miss them a lot I've I haven't really spent a lot of time with them and at the same time I'm thinking oh I've been away for so many years and I'm barely settling in still after so many years I'm just I feel like I'm getting started I don't have a job right now mm -hmm. I need to finish my studies and get a job um, and I feel like all of those years of struggling and being away have been leading up to this moment, hopefully of me getting and finding a good job. Mm. And at the same time, I'm thinking like, oh, I, I really miss them. I really I mean, miss being home and hearing Romanian. Yeah. Have you been able to see them at all um, like this year or has the pandemic just not mm. made that available? No, I've been to Romania 2019, August. Oh, okay. August, yeah, 2019. So that was not this summer, last summer. Um, and then I haven't seen my mother in, since January 2019, but I got her a flight and she actually visited me this September. Oh, nice. And, 
she visited Denmark for the first time. And this was, again, exactly right before the restrictions got a bit more harsher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I haven't been going home. Romania has been uh, on the blacklist. Oh, um, God. <laughs> they, they've been having a lot of cases um, and increasing. And, yeah, it's just been the the government authorities here have been recommended that you only go out if you need to and they don't recommend you to go that you go to countries that are with orange color or yeah mm. on the countries that you should not go to so romania has been one of them and it's not getting better unfortunately i think i think england must be one of them as well actually britain because things aren't getting much better here either <laughs> no but even here the cases are keep they keep going up although i think that danes have been quite good at yeah, I don't know, keeping the distance and being being aware of it. We haven't worn, we've been required to wear masks for, for for riding in the buses and public transportation. And only this week we were, have been required to wear masks inside in like restaurants and yeah, mm. supermarkets. Actually, we, we had to go wear restaurants, but not like if you would go to supermarket, you didn't have to wear a mask but now it's obligatory for everybody to wear it everywhere don't think i expected this perhaps i expected something more crazy but not this to have this sort of yeah to have a pandemic and people not be able to go to jobs and mm, yeah that that has definitely been very weird and i i think because usually whenever i would go back home it kind of grounded me again mm-hmm. it would make remind me in a way of who I am Mm -hmm. it's funny enough because I don't feel at home anymore there but going home at least one time per year was really bringing me back okay I'm kind of back I know what am what am I doing where am I going what do I want from life Mm -hmm. and after I don't go home for a very long time I do feel a bit lost if I don't have that don't know if it's about home and speaking Romanian or if it's about Go, going to people who really love you mm-hmm. who have this unconditional love towards you you know your parents your siblings mm-hmm. so after after so long of not being home i do feel very strange uh and perhaps that's the reason why i've started watching you know chef chef <laughs> show in romanian <laughs> just anything give me romanian <laughs> yeah. i've been indulging a little bit lately in romanian tv shows no, I wonder if it's also like, do you think you have a sort of, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Is it wavering personality or like sometimes you don't feel so, so grounded in like your identity? Yeah, definitely. But I don't know. <laughs> I would say I can attribute this to a plethora of things. It could be, you know, the dynamics of my family growing up and me never really feeling because even as a kid even though i was still in my city being moved and not living with mom or dad all the time that also made me gave me i think a bit of a more insecurity definitely i had that all the time over the years and i think it's because of that but i think everything added up together where you move around and you don't necessarily have that kind of safe space where you can, you're grounded. Mm. 
yeah i do have and i've been struggling with identity and i kept thinking a lot of time of me being away and being alone and trying to figure out who i am and what do i want and a lot of times you know i befriend somebody and then you know i start liking something that they like and then i befriend somebody else and then i'm thinking oh wait a second do i start liking these things just because they like it or mm. you know you try to emulate other people in a way to not necessarily to make yourself feel better but to make yourself feel at home somehow mm. yeah. perhaps that's but yeah then i've been trying in the past years i've been trying to console myself with a thought of oh i'm still becoming me there is no me right now i'm continuously cliche again but i'm continuously building myself so i think that's been in a way uh, more how i'm dealing with the identity right now but i've definitely struggled all the time all my life with identity yeah i mean that's a very constructive way of looking at it as well it's like you know we're all constantly evolving and changing and um mm. I think that really spoke to me when you said, you know, you make friends with someone and you start liking the things that they like, or like you'll get into that or, cause I think I've definitely done the same thing in my life. Like, um, I think, and on reflection, yeah, it might be because I was just sort of looking for the, for the hook, you know, the something to keep me grounded or that, that, mm. like you say, that sense of home. Um, I'd never thought of it that way. I just thought I was, um, I was really intense or something, which I probably am actually. I'm probably quite intense in friendships. <laughs> I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. Oh, well, I don't, I haven't, yeah, we haven't talked in a long time, mm. but I think you've always been very, um, well, for me, you've been always a very calm girl. <laughs> oh, well, that is good to hear. Um, I'm sure my friends, if they hear this, I'm going to, well, if you are listening, friends, if you're out there, um, do let me know. <laughs> leave, leave a comment on the episode below. Um, <laughs> as far as I remember. <laughs> um, how much longer have you got of your master's to go? I'm supposed to deliver my thesis 15th of March and I have to defend it somewhere between that time and end of April. Okay, okay. So half a year more? Yeah, it's almost crazy. there then, almost there. Almost there, and at the same time I feel that, oh wow, I now have to become an adult because I feel that being a student, it's still making me feel, you know, not, not necessarily, I'm an adult, I know, but I'm still getting away with a few things of not really taking full responsibility for, you know, just going to work and for, as a job, nine to five job, I'm having, <laughs> can still go out sometimes and feel like I'm partying with the students and go crazy, but slowly getting there where I have to face the truth. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think is next for you then? Or you're not even planning that far ahead yet? Well, hopefully I'll find a job. That's my biggest worry right now. Cause in some way I do have, huge imposter syndrome um thinking that i'm finishing masters and at the same time i feel like what do i know to do I, what am i doing i don't even know okay business oh okay i know how to code a bit i know how to do a bit of yeah some analysis but yeah i don't know i'm at this moment i've i'm a bit i've been even talking with my flatmate 
that I'm a bit scared about was going to come, but I'm excited but scared because of COVID. Don't know about the job market. I've been trying um, over the summer. I've been trying to find some student jobs and I kept getting rejected. But at the same time, Copenhagen is very saturated in that sense. There is a lot of you know, business students. There is a lot of companies as well. But I'm, I'm keeping positive and I know that, you know, if I've made it so far for so many years, mm-hmm. I have to make it further. It's, yes i'm sure you will i mean if there's anyone listening who is looking for someone who is very bright uh articulate she's very good at business and coding and she's even gonna have a master's uh by next year um give ramona a call <laughs> yes reach out to me i can help you out even for free if you need any help with your setting up your business if you have a startup and you're out of ideas feel Excellent. free to She's the one to call. Um, (laughs) Actually, on that, um, is there anything um, other than yourself? Is there anything you'd like to plug or promote today? Um, No, I I actually have had a few thoughts, but I'm I'm not very sure right now. I'm I'm kind of blank. Um, Just yeah, telling people if you can go go ahead and plant a tree. um, Try not to litter try to save the environment you can see what's happening all of this um fires and floodings and mother nature is not happy with us and we've produced so much co2 emissions in the last 50 years we've done so much harm and we're forgetting that we need to be a bit more considerate towards nature that's what i want to say I agree. I'm actually oh, doing my master thesis on sustainability. So, oh, there we go. <laughs> so, if anyone's looking for someone to help with environmental issues, I mean, <laughs> she is your person. Excellent. Hey there, listener. Here's Sophia just popping in at the end of the podcast, as usual, to say. Well, if you could like and rate, review, and subscribe, everything. Um, everything everything in the world no 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 no. don't worry not everything just just you know what we're on so soundcloud apple podcast and and if you want to keep up to date with all things floaters give us a follow on instagram at floaters underscore podcast leave us a comment say hey and um yeah look forward to virtually hanging out with you thanks again to ramona it was so fun to chat and um thanks to aral as always for his sound help um you can find his website in the show notes thank you to adora for graphics and social media assistance and thank you to you dear listener it's been a joy until next time bye bye